All right, welcome, Element City Church. So glad to have you here, especially if you are new. Uh, we know it takes courage coming to a new place, and I met a couple of you. And so just a, a way for us to connect around here is uh, you can text the word hello to our phone number, which is 520-340-6868. If you just text the word hello, a couple quick texts, and we are connected. Or you can open up our free app, go to the App Store, download that Element City Church, and on there is the connection card. You can fill out a couple a quick text. And here's the deal. We will walk with you in a simple text or email for the next six weeks because we know it's hard to connect to a new place. And you can opt out at any point. I promise we won't spam you. And then the second way we can connect is right after the service tonight. Uh, you can meet myself or Lyle right back there at the 10-minute party. Guess how long it lasts? Yeah, less than 10 minutes. Uh, and we got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon just for you uh, for showing up. And so if you're new, that's the invitation. If you are not new, and many of you are not new, you don't get the popcorn. I'm sorry. You just don't. Boo, I know. Boo all you want. Uh, you don't get it. It's just for new people. So, um, But we do have something for you. If you weren't with us last week, we are celebrating this month 10 years as a church, and we are excited about it. And we got car fresheners that simply say, keeping it fresh for 10 years. Now listen, I don't know if this is going to last 10 years, but I'm going to tell you something. It smells really good. It smells really good. Citrus, you can grab it on the back table on the way out tonight. That's for you. Uh, but how many of you were here last week? You got to celebrate with us. Maybe you walked out of here with a cupcake. You're excited. We ate all the cupcakes. We don't have any more. Sorry. Yeah, boo, boo again. Yeah, but if you're new, you get popcorn. So, uh, <laughs> but we are so glad to have you here. We're going to worship a little bit. We're going to continue on in our vision series this month, kind of really drilling down a little bit more on the calling God has for us at Element City Church. So we're thrilled to have you here, thrilled to have you joining us online. In fact, if you're here in the room, I'm going to invite you to stand up. We uh, kind of launch the service in prayer every week, and every week we pray for a church of the week, because there's a million plus people in southern Arizona that aren't connected into any faith community. And I, tonight we get to pray for Tucson Church International and my good buddy Demetrius Miles, who is an awesome dude, and uh, they've got a great church kind of over by the freeway area. They're doing a lot of good for the city. In fact, they helped give away like a million dollars worth of um, furniture and things to people in need uh, over the last year. So Demetrius and their team are doing awesome. So we're going to pray a blessing over them and over our time tonight. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for Tucson Church International, for Pastor Demetrius and their team there. God, we pray your blessing over TCI. We ask that you continue to leverage them for your good in the city, that you continue to use them to move the gospel forward and the story that we have hope in Jesus. Father, it's in his name that we gather tonight. And so all of us come here from different scenarios, different situations, maybe different stress levels, maybe different things that are unfolding in our life. And so tonight we just take a collective breath. Lord, we need you. And so as we worship you now, we lean into your presence, as we look into your word and see the hope that we find in this gospel that you're inviting us into. And you're inviting us to be a herald of someone who passes that forward to someone else. We just ask for your spirit to move in our midst tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right, church, let's put those hands together.
We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors and he pardoned the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Gonna shout out your praise. Oh, oh. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. He clung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. Come on. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We're going to shout out your praise. Because we were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Come on. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. Come on. We won't be quiet. Gonna shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. I'm sure this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. If we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. If we won't be quiet, we shout out your praise. Oh, oh, we shout out your praise. Oh, oh, we shout out your praise.
Cause Jesus, we are here, we're here for you. We're gathered in this place to honor you, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Jesus, we are here, we're here for you. Come on, put those hands together. Lift up your hands. So lift up your hands, let your praises rise. Open your heart. Lose the song inside. Oh, let us rejoice. Let us magnify your name. Oh, sing that chorus. Jesus, we are here. We're here for you. We've gathered in this place to honor you. To worship you in spirit and in truth. Jesus, we are here, we're here for you. Oh, break out in praise, let your shout of for our God redeemed us with his mighty power. Oh, let's sing together, let us magnify his name. Oh, Jesus, we are here, we're here for you. place to honor you, 
worship you in spirit and in truth. Jesus, we are here. We're here for you. Shadow, you won't light up. Mountain, you won't climb. 
No. 
less of me more of you less of me more of you Jesus may this be a prayer of every heart tonight we come before in submission holy God beautiful Jesus the servant and the king who abandoned the glory of heaven and came to the world you created and gave his life on a hill that you created on the cross the punishment that we deserved God we bow before you what is our life that you gave yourself for it we submit fully before you God for the purpose of the gospel something that you have in mind for every heart here and that's not even a choice that's your command so you have loved us so much that we are free today and we can now go and love others just the way you have loved us but we most of the time we don't want to do it God and we really need the change of our heart and our attitude something that only Holy Spirit can do so God we submit ourselves before you make us passionate for the gospel make us passionate for this world that's dying and may we give ourselves fully to you God Lord we worship you we thankful for this congregation for your church they can be your feet in your hands in this broken world we love you God we pray all these things in your precious and beautiful name of Jesus and everyone said amen you may be seated Well, if you're new tonight, uh, my name is Lyle, and I just want to take a moment to welcome you. I'm one of the pastors here. Maybe you're tuning in online and uh, you happen to find us as well. We want to welcome you. Thank you uh, for tuning in. Just in keeping with the spirit of worship, um, I've got a, an announcement for everyone. If you drive an orange Jeep Wrangler with license plate AXF0679, your lights are on, buddy. So you might want to turn those off so you can start that car up later. And maybe this is the reminder if you're tuning in at home, just click the key fob, make sure the car's locked, make sure your lights aren't on as well. Um, that's the worst, isn't it? Like coming out of worship and it's like, hey, here's this announcement and poor Bobby gets to do the walk of shame. Anyway, he is my friend, so I get to make jokes. A couple of years ago, 2018, uh, my wife and I got to travel over to the United Kingdom and it was just, it was one of the best trips that we've ever taken. We had a chance to uh, go to London and we spent some time in London. And then I'm a huge Manchester United fan. Manchester is red after this weekend. And so we got to go see a match at Old Trafford, uh, which is their stadium, which was bucket list stuff for me. Uh, but the thing that Anya and I were both looking forward to the most on this trip was going to the Scottish Highlands. 
there was just something about the, the mystique and, and the castles and the green and the mountains that in every picture, everything I'd ever seen that ever referenced the highlands, I knew that I needed to go to there before I died. And uh, Anya felt the same way. And so we were so excited when uh, we made our way back into Edinburgh after we got to go to the United game. Uh, we rented a car and went through all the, pro, uh, the, just the trouble of learning how to drive on the left side of the road and like not get in the wrong lane and whatnot. I was white knuckling that, by the way, when I was driving. She did not have to take on that stress. Uh, but we were so excited just as we were making our way from Edinburgh up to where we were staying uh, in this little village uh, called Kinloch Leven. And so we booked an Airbnb with John, who John sometimes even still to this day will tune in and watch Elements because we just made this instant friendship with John. But let me tell you, how, how many of you love the weather today? This was the best of the weather that we experienced in the Scottish Highlands. What you've seen today, and I don't know, since you've been in this room, when I was in the back, I could hear the rain finally coming down a little bit more so. But for the first three days that we were in the Highlands, we're talking buckets, okay? Like lots of rain, lots of fog. And so we're seeing some pretty stuff, but we're just like, well, I guess we're going to be sitting at home and getting to know John a little bit better today. And so that's what we did for the first couple of days that we were in the Highlands. You know, we uh, got to see a little bit of Kinloch leaving, but not much because it was raining so much and just so drastically that to go out and do anything would not have been um, a wise decision. We'll just put it that way. And so finally, uh, one of the, 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 the third night, I believe, John comes in, he's like, here, here you go, guys. Like, if you're gonna have an opportunity to get outside and to actually see uh, the Highlands, it's gonna have to be tomorrow because the rain's gonna let up a little bit. Um, but here's what we can do. And so he just starts going through, you know, if you, we can go on a hike in the morning and I'll take you out to this area. And uh, then after that, what I'd recommend, you should get this ferry. Take this ferry across here so you can go to the Isle of Skye. And uh, before you go there, you need to stop in the city called Oban uh, or on the way back at least stop at Oban. But when you go to Oban, you're going to get the best fish and, he'd say it, fish and chips. We're going to get the best fish and chips that we could ever have in our lives. And he wasn't wrong. Let me just tell you, like he's telling us, don't go to these specific ones. You're gonna wanna look for this specific restaurant. And he couldn't remember the name of it. He's like, but just walk up the main road. There's only one of them. And when you get to this point, like here's what you're looking for. They're gonna have a rack above where they fry the fish. And they're gonna put the fish in the rack when it's done because then the oil will drip out from the batter and it's still under a heat lamp, so it's gonna be hot. And then when they bring it to you, it won't be greasy, it won't be oily. It's just gonna be the best fish and chips that you've ever had in your life. And he wasn't wrong. Like, it was phenomenal. And so Anya and I had this wonderful trip, this amazing time that we, even though it was just a day, getting to drive across to the Isle of Skye. And then how many Highlander fans are in the house? Anybody? There can only be one, Right? The three of us can nerd out together. There's the Elan Donan Castle on the way back from the Isle of Skye, which if you know the movie, like there's this point where Highlander's going and he meets with Sean Connery and he's, he's, there's this castle. That's the castle that they used for filming. And uh, so we're getting to walk across the bridge and see all of it. And it's just, it was majestic. It was beautiful. It was life-giving actually for us to be there and just to experience everything that the Highlands had to offer us, even in just that one day. Now, why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you this because it would have been really easy for us to have gone to the Scottish Highlands and we would have seen how pretty it was to drive up there. And yet if we never got a chance and if we didn't have a guide, somebody to come alongside us and tell us where we could go to really truly experience the Highlands, we would have left there just thinking, that was okay. 
It was pretty. We had a good time. It was fine. And yet it was so much more than that because we needed somebody to show us the way on how to experience the fullness of what it had to offer. And I think that that's very similar to our faith. And we're in the middle of this series that we just started last week. We're calling it This Is Us. And we're going over this new vision that we really feel that God has birthed into the hearts of the leadership here at the church. And so we're excited to kind of unpack what it's all about and what we think will help shape uh, our direction for the next minimum three to five years, hopefully the, ne- the next 10 as we celebrate 10 years of where Jesus wants to lead his church so that we can follow after him the way that he wants us to do so. And so the vision statement uh, is this. We're going to pop it up on the screen here. And it simply says that Element City Church is an inviting community of Jesus followers commissioned by the gospel to make disciples by cultivating relationships that reflect the love of Christ. That's who we are. That's who we are going to be. We have an agenda for your life. If you're new here and you're coming here, Jack and I have a bias, okay? We know what our bias is. And our bias is we want you to be a disciple of Jesus and to live your days out walking with him, doing the things that he's called you to do because we know that that's where life is found. And so tonight we wanna key in on that one phrase, commissioned by the gospel to make disciples. And so I've titled the sermon tonight, a proper response to the gospel. That's what it is. It's a proper response to the gospel. And you might be sitting here tonight and you're like, what's the gospel? I'm so glad you asked. That's not necessarily something that we take the time to always unpack. And it's really easy for us in Christianity to talk about the gospel. And we know the gospel is good news. And if you didn't know, that's what gospel literally translates to. It translates to good news. And we believe it is good news. In fact, the apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Rome that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who would believe. And so what's the good news? The good news is this, that we believe there's a creator that God created the heavens and the earth. That's how the Bible starts. Verse one, in the beginning, God, he existed. And here's where we sometimes get the gospel wrong. We wanna start at the bad news. The good news is God created all things and it was good. Do you catch that? God created all things and when he created it, he looked out at all of it and he said it was good. And the last thing that God created, he created mankind. And when he made man, he said it was very good because he made man differently than everything else. Because inside of man, he put the image of himself. And so if you're here tonight, I'm here to tell you, you're not an accident. You're not incidental. You're not expendable. You were made by God and you were made for God because the image of God is inside you. It's inside all of us and that gives us an intrinsic dignity that is meant to be respected and is meant to be pulled out of people and we wanna be a church that celebrates that. And so that's the good news. But anytime there's good news, there is bad news. And the bad news is this, that we as mankind are broken. We're broken. We don't wanna be. We don't like the fact that we are. In fact, we try to reject the good things that God puts in our life because we think that we can make it on our own and we can do it on our own. And every time we do that, the Bible calls that sin. That's simply an archery term that means that we've missed the mark. God has set a target. He said, shoot at this. This is where you are to aim your life and how you are to live. And we are supposed to hit that bullseye. And the reality is every time we shoot, we can't hit it. There's nothing we can do to hit it under our own power. We're under our own free will. 
But we try, don't we? We try so hard. And the reality is maybe things are going well for you right now in your life. And you're like, I don't know that I necessarily need that. Like, I I know that the Bible says these things. I know how those Christians are though. I don't know if I'm for that. I don't know if I'm all about that. And I'm just here to say, how's it going for you? Has that always been the case? And if if it has, that's great, but buckle up. Because the time is coming where things will start to fall apart. We've all been there. We've all experienced it, haven't we? That despite our best efforts, to do things the right way. We just consistently find that we're falling short. But here's the better news, that God's word knows this. God knows this. He designed you and he created you. And so he himself knows that all have fallen sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And when there was no way, when we were at our worst, when we were at our lowest point, when we rejected him, when we were against him, when we weren't for anything of God himself, He still looked at you and he loved you. And he sent his son, Jesus, to come and live a perfect life because the Old Testament establishes that God is holy, that God has a way that he wants to be approached in holiness. And yet we never could approach him in that way. He gave us the law. He showed us how to live. And if we couldn't follow the law, he said, here are the sacrifices that needed to be made. Here are the things that you could do to regain right standing with me for time. And if you look at the Old Testament and the language that's there, and then you look at Jesus, you understand why the Bible calls him the sacrificial lamb of God, that he was the perfect, sinless sacrifice who could come and live the perfect life that we never could live. And the Bible says, Paul said it, we said it before, that this salvation for us is available. How? Simply by putting our faith in Jesus, believing that Jesus went to the cross to take on your sins, to take on my sins, all of our sins. He died, but he didn't stay dead. He resurrected, he rose again after three days. And because of that, he conquered death. And Paul would say this, he said that the wages of sin is death. But because Jesus has conquered death, because he has taken our sin upon himself, he's now free to give us life. That's the good news. That by putting your faith in Christ, that's merely what you have to do. Put your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross and you can find life abundant. And you can find freedom from all those moments that you feel like you're not enough, that you just fail, that you just can't do everything right. There is hope for you, there's hope for me. And we believe that hope is in Jesus Christ, amen? That's the gospel, that we can have that life and not just here on earth, but we believe that when you die, which we're all gonna die, when that moment comes, that we can be resurrected with Christ to live and to reign forever with him, with God, fully in his presence. That's the best news for humanity. You were made by God. You were made for God. And that's a truth that we all need to receive tonight. But the gospel was never just meant to be known. The gospel was meant for us to experience it. And that's where I want us to go tonight. I want us to look at the difference between the gospel as informative versus the gospel as transformative. Because we need both things. We need the information in order to experience the transformation that takes place when we put that information into practice. And why do we need that? We need that because if ever there was a generation that had a whole lot of information without much experience, it's ours. YouTube, 
Hello. It's a great website, isn't it? You don't know what to do with something. It's so easy to look it up and to find out. And then you get these videos that are so informative, aren't they? But how many of you own a house and have gotten to do home repairs? That's right. Those who are laughing are those who already know where this is going. And in fact, if you've ever uh, used YouTube to look up home repairs, it's great, isn't it? You get all this information. Uh, I'll tell you, I attempted some plumbing recently, right? So the joke was that, yes, I had to make four trips to Home Depot that day. I thought I measured it out well and would only need two. I was wrong. I had to go four times. It was a classic plumbing thing, right? That's how it goes. But I looked up, simple thing. I needed to take a faucet out of the bathroom and put a new faucet into the bathroom. You would think that this would be an easy thing. Watch the YouTube video. You know, we always look in. We try to find one that's like just the right amount of length. If it's too short, we're like, there's no way they taught us that. So it needs to be just the right amount. But then now that you can adjust the speed, it's like an eight-minute video. It's like, cool, I can watch that in four. Thank you. So pull that up, right? And I'm ready to go. I get into the bathroom. Like I've seen the video, how we pull all this out and we do this and I'll need plumber's putty and all that stuff. I've got it. I'm ready. Four hours later, (laughs) I gave up because I couldn't even get the handle out from the sink. It had rusted into place. And that video sure didn't cover how to get a faucet out when the whole nut is like... (laughs) like is uh, rusted to the thing and you can't even physically remove it. And so days later, I finally get an oscillating saw to cut through metal, which felt very manly, I'll be honest. And so we finally get that out so I could do the, the faucet and it still didn't even work, right? If ever there was a generation that had information but lacked experience, it's ours. And what did I need? I didn't just need the information I needed to go through the experience myself, but I also needed someone to help me along the way. And so I'm grateful for the friends that I was able to call to walk through what I needed to do to get it fixed and to finally get it working. And you know what? It worked, finally. It might have taken me two weeks. I might have returned the initial faucet that I installed because I didn't do it right and got another one that was a little bit better and easier to install, but it got done. And the same thing is true with God. It's one thing to know information about God. But when you experience the transformative power of his grace, when you get to stand in worship and you just experience that moment of awe that a holy God would look down on us and receive our worship and allow us to know him, to know what he's like, to experience the fullness of his love, in his mercy, in moments where we're broken, how he just whispers his peace into our hearts. There's nothing like it. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's almost like Anya's in my trip to the Scottish Highlands, that sadly there's many of us who've settled for Christianity that's fine, for Jesus that's fine. Going to church is fine. Reading the verse of the day, it's fine. All this information without experience has led us to this moment that intellectually we understand the gospel is good news, but it often fails to ignite our hearts. And so as Ben Stewart recently said, he said, our version of Christianity is too small. Our vision of Jesus is too obscured. Our appreciation is too shallow. 
We think Jesus is fine because we haven't really tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You were made for more. Truly experiencing the gospel, it creates this transformative moment where you're invited into a much greater story than your own. Even when you were against God, when you were against his ways, when you were at your worst and hardest to love, God's love still moved toward you, not away from you. And this creates a motivation that spurs us on to seek out more ways of experiencing God's goodness. Which leads us to uncover more knowledge or more information about God. And as we put that information into practice continually, it creates a discipline within us to persist in doing the things that we know will put us in the best position to experience the fullness of God's presence. And what does that lead to? It leads to even more transformation. And perhaps this is what Jesus uh, means when he says uh, that the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. We've got to have the truth. We've got to have the knowledge and the information of what God is like, of where we can find him, how we can experience him. And yet we need that spirit that seeks out the experience, that seeks out that moment that's transformative where it's just you and God in worship. Even though you're in the midst of so many other people, it's a great mystery. How is that moment made just for you? And if you've had it, you know what I'm talking about. It's something that I think we were all meant to experience. But when we've been transformed by the gospel, we recognize that there's a commissioning that comes uh, with it. And so we cannot help but invite others, as we talked about last week in Jack's message, to experience what we've experienced ourselves. We get to speak to the things that we've experienced. And when people might be like, what's that about? What do we say? Come and see. Just come and see for yourself. Come experience it yourself. That's what it's all about. If you'll uh, nerd out with me for a few moments, I want to talk about the regolith of the moon. That's a word you don't need to know, regolith. That's what it's called. But have you ever noticed like just the moon, right? It's beautiful. There's just those nights where like a super moon's up in the sky and we look up at it and it's just so bright and it's so beautiful. And I don't know if you know this, but the moon itself is prime for reflecting. That after all of the asteroids, the, the however long asteroids and different things have flown through space and pounded into the surface of the moon, it's created this very fine powdery dust that's called the regolith. And because it's made up of all of these space rocks and different things that have busted into it, it's this prime material that like when you shine light onto it, it just can't help but brilliantly shine. And so you might look up at the moon and see how beautiful the moon is. And you're probably not thinking in your mind, well, the regolith of the moon is what is allowing that to shine brightly right now, you know? But what happens? You're like, look at the moon. Did you see the moon tonight? And you can't help but speak about it. I'm really grateful to Louis Giglio for nerding out about this stuff uh, recently as well. And he's made this point for decades and it stuck with me. The moon is prime for reflecting. And when we bring attention to the moon, some of us might actually stop and think, well, it's not the moon that's shining itself. It's the sun that shines so brilliantly and intensely that what, what, what does the moon do? All the moon has to do is get into the right position. And when it's in the right position, it can't help but reflect the light of the sun. 
And so there's this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, right at the end of the chapter, and it says this, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It's like a stair step. That's what it's saying. We're transformed into the same image of Jesus, just step by step, becoming more and more like him. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, the cool thing about that verse, we all beholding the glory of the Lord. If you look up that word beholding, some translations, you might have it in your translation that says reflecting or reflect the glory of the Lord. So the word that's there could be translated behold, which the idea of behold is like behold. It'd be there's something that's worth looking at and I'm trying to get your attention over here. But it's not just that. It's also reflecting, meaning we stop and take note. Why do you go to a mirror? You go into a mirror to see yourself. You're wondering what you look like and you wanna see what needs to be done to make yourself presentable in your mind, right? And so that's the picture here. We reflect, we, we ponder, we picture the, the glory of the Lord. We think about it, we reflect on it. But as we reflect on it and let it shine upon us, what happens? We get transformed into the image of Jesus himself. You see, the human soul is made in the image of God. And you all are really good mirrors. You don't even have to try hard to be a good mirror. Did you know that? We all reflect something. That's what the human soul was made to do. It was made to reflect. And so the question is, what is it that you're reflecting? Because for some of us, our mirror, it might be kind of dinky. And it might be reflecting kind of of something small. And what we're calling you tonight to, and what we believe the gospel calls you to, is to reflect the glory of Jesus. To exchange the tiny ways of living, the things that don't matter, the things that are just temporary. To exchange all of that for something far greater. So that you could join the story of God and what it is that he wants to do in others. I'm sorry, this is like hitting some of you in the face. And I can see, we'll set that down. Illustration made, yeah? But think about it. You're a really good mirror. You don't even have to try to reflect something in your life. What is it that you're reflecting? We just have to be like the moon that puts itself in the right position because it's prime for reflecting. But when the moon gets into the right place, what happens? The glory of the sun illuminates it and it just shines and it reflects that out. That's the heart that we wanna have. That's the church that we wanna be. And so how do we reflect the glory of God? We believe that's by becoming Jesus followers. Notice I say Jesus followers. We're not talking about being a fan of Jesus. Okay, being a fan of Jesus means that we like him. He's fine. I want to know more information about him so I can root the people on who like Jesus. That's great. No, we don't want to just collect information about Jesus to be fans of Jesus. We want to be followers of Jesus. We want to reflect the things that Jesus shown himself as he lived his life on earth. And so this is what we call discipleship. Discipleship, and we've talked about discipleship multiple times over the last couple of years, the importance of it. And we've given this definition to what it is to be a disciple. A disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus. Someone who is becoming like Jesus. Someone who is committed to the mission of Jesus. And so in the little bit of time that we have here tonight, 
The goal is for us uh, to do what Jesus did so that we can become more Christ-like. And the question then is, what practices, what disciplines do we need to implement into our lives so that we can be this type of person, so that we can be this type of church as we all live this out together? And so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 2. That's right, I'm going there. For any of you who know, you're like, classic move. I don't care. That's where we're going. Acts chapter 2 because it captures it all. And it's going to be in the Bible notes as well. So if you want to follow that uh, through the, the Bible app, you can. If you're online as well, there should be a little button that lets you see the verses. So Acts chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 42 through 47. And it says this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching in the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed together were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I think this passage does a great job of just beginning to clue us in on what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, on what it would look like for us as a community to walk this out together. And yet as easy as it is to focus on what the apostles and the disciples did at that point in time, uh, it says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. That would be the word of God. That would be uh, the things that Paul, that other prominent believers who walked with Jesus and were continuing to carry this message to people, uh, they would devote themselves to that, to fellowship, to getting together, to prayer, to worship. And yet so often we miss a key detail at the end. You see, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard, us, uh, you've heard this passage preached. And everybody loves Acts 2. Everybody wants to be an Acts 2 community. Everybody would love to see God adding to their numbers day by day. But to be an Acts 2 community means that you have to actually do what the Acts 2 community did. You see, verse 46, what did they commit themselves to? Day by day, they were gathering together to do these things. Day by day, where did they do it? They did it in the temple courts. That would be here at the church as we've gathered tonight. This is what we're doing. We're devoting ourselves to the teaching of scripture. They did that in the temple courts, but then house to house. They got together in each other's homes and they committed to doing these things on a daily basis, not by themselves, together with their community. So many churches wanna be the Acts 2 church so few churches are willing to commit themselves to being an actual Acts 2 type community. This is why we need to get onto people's devices. This is why we've said we want to be able to start making some more content that we can get out on our YouTube channel to help put information in front of you that would help as you put it into practice, you experience the transformative power of the gospel at work in your life. We have 168 hours in a week. We spend maybe one and a half hours together in the temple courts. What are we doing with the other 166 and a half hours that you have every day of the week? Not every day, I said that wrong. What do we do with the other 166 and a half hours that are left in the week? Correction, there it is. Words are tough tonight, guys, I'm sorry. 
But see, when we continually experience the transformative power of the gospel, it's suddenly easy to make the time to get together to gather, isn't it? How many of you have ever lived that out? Maybe at a youth camp where you got to serve for a period of time or going on a missions trip where you just get to have that day-by-day gathering and you just see how fulfilling it is to experience that. The cool thing about that is it, it becomes about not just your own discipleship, but focusing on what this passage actually uh, and what our vision is calling you to. And that's not just to be a disciple yourself, but discipling others. Um, because once you get to the point where you experience the transformative power of the gospel in your own life, you recognize that the commissioning is there, that you have to go be a person who invites others to come and see and experience what you've experienced. And as you do that, the beauty of it is when people come along with you on that journey, you begin to see the transformative power of the gospel not only take root in your own life, but in the lives of others. And now it just becomes this cycle that you continually get to see and you continually get to celebrate. And I'm telling you, that's where life is. That's the life that you want. I know it, I've lived it, I've experienced it and it feels fleeting at times. And yet there's other times where it's everything and it just everything lines up. It's perfect. And so let's assume uh, that you're all in at this point. You're just like, okay, what do I do about it then? How do I focus on becoming uh, a disciple of Jesus? And I would say, hold on. And here's why I'd say that. Our vision, notice what it says. We're commissioned by the gospel to do what? It's not just to be disciples. We're commissioned by the gospel to make disciples. And that's a wholly different thing, isn't it? Your discipleship is not just about you. It's great for you to focus on that. That's the best place to start. But when you start to experience all these things that I'm talking about in your own life, it's great, I'm telling you, but there's nothing better than when you see how God gets to use you to allow others to experience it themselves. It's a privilege, it's a joy, it is everything. It's phenomenal, I'm telling you. And so for the sake of the time, um, uh, the time that we have left, uh, we're gonna go more in depth on these things in the, uh, probably the summertime. We wanna look at what are the practices of a disciple? What do the disciples really do? We kind of mentioned a couple of them from this passage in Acts 2. But here's the list. I put them up in bullet points for you. Uh, and it's just these. Sabbath, prayer, fasting, solitude, scripture, community, simplicity, generosity, hospitality those things. And there's more that you could add to that list. But I think if we focused on just these things as a church, if we were able to get these things right in our lives, that you would see a move of heaven unleashed in this place that you never would believe could happen. And there would be so much joy, so much just fulfillment, contentment. We would see God at work in everything. And so I encourage you this. Where do you start with that? That's a lot. I get it. So here's what you do. Take a picture of that right now. Take a screenshot of it on the notes on your phone, whatever. But I want you to pick one or two. That's it. And look that up. Look up what that would entail or what that means. And start thinking in the coming days, in the coming weeks, in the coming months. What would it look like for me to put this into practice in my life? And then do it. And then find somebody to go on this journey with you so that you can be accountable to it to somebody and so that you can struggle through it with somebody, but so that you can celebrate successes together. There's a great way for you to do that. E-groups. 
discipleship groups. That's what we have at the church to help you get connected on a day-by-day basis. So don't get overwhelmed by what's up here. Just pick one or two. And here's a pro tip. If you start with Sabbath or prayer, you're going to find that that is something that will increase that capacity of your mirror, of your soul to reflect in a way that you would never believe. Some of you might have been living kind of the dinky little thing. But notice, even if this was just a super smudged mirror, right? How many of you are just cringing because I'm doing this? Right? Look at that. There's not much to reflect there. And yet I can shine that and hit whoever's up in the balcony. Is anyone up there? You don't have to try that hard to reflect. And I'm here to tell you that's the gospel. That even just taking a small step, if you feel that you've been living for the dinky thing, if you feel like you've got a dinky mirror in your hands, it's still capable of reflecting far more than you even realize. But don't take it just from me, all right? With the time that we have left, I want to invite some of my friends out onto the stage here. I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to tell you. I'm biased, right? But I want to introduce you to a couple of my friends here. So this is Destiny. We've got uh, Dave and Suzanne as well. Uh, Suzanne's part of our board as well, so I figured that would be good to, to get her out here. But we just, for a little bit of the time that we have left, I wanted to ask them a few questions and let them kind of put it into their own words uh, what they've experienced as they've said yes to discipleship, into putting these things into practice, into being a part of one of our discipleship groups. And so we've been talking for a while. Again, if you've signed up for discipleship, we know we're ready. Like we're, we're going through the, the paces right now to get leaders ready to lead those groups. Um, we've got e-groups, and we, we know that the connected life is so much better than just being surrounded by the noise. And so you need to hear from them uh, because they're not the pastors. They're not biased, right? So, uh, hi, guys. How nervous are you all? Good. 100, all right. I'm going to need you to say that into the microphone, Dave. I'm kidding. All right, so here's the question. Just three simple questions for all three of you. Um, And then we'll start with you, Destiny, if that's all right. And then that way that just kind of goes down the line. So question number one, uh, it's on the back screen. So if you forget that I've asked it, you can cheat. You're welcome. You're welcome. So question number one, how did you become a part of a discipleship group? And uh, what was it that led you to say yes? Hello? Okay. (laughs) Just wanted to double check. Um, So, yeah, what led me to say yes, I'll start off with that first. Um, I had always wanted to be a part of a Bible study, and I never had the opportunity to, nor it never presented itself in my life. Anya had asked me about two years ago on a FaceTime call, and um, it wasn't the right time. I was in beauty school. I was working, and it just wasn't something I could commit to. But she ended up asking me about a year ago when I started coming to Elements. And um, I have to breathe. <laughs> um, and it worked out. You know, she worked with me. I was getting married. I was going to have a honeymoon. And um, it just so happened that everything aligned. I started in May, and it's been wonderful. That's great. Dave? This on? Okay, cool. Um, Do you guys not trust the sound guy? Well, does a great job. Phil, you should be insulted. I'm sorry, buddy. Love sorry. you, Phil. Um, how did I become part of a discipleship group? Oh, man. Um, Ten years ago, we started going to the elements way back at Pantano. 
Um, in my life, I've, military-wise and outside of that, I've done some things that I'm not proud of at all. Um, I was the dude that always is the foxhole religion. Um, when I first started going to Elements, I, I just couldn't understand how God could accept anybody like me for everything I've done. Um, and it took me, man, all the way up into Catalina where I finally figured out that, man, my walk is, is, is horrible. I really need to up my game, so to speak, on that. Um, and I remember it was probably about, ooh, I want to say four years because of COVID. Um, I had talked to you after a service. I said, Lyle, um, I need your help. I, I need to, you know, up my game and my walk. And you said, all right. We talked a little bit, and then that was it. And I thought, okay. Um, and then I would say six months later, you asked me to be to do this disciple, uh, the group, and I'm like, uh, and it turns out, you know, I thought about it for about ten seconds and said, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. So that's how I got to that's how I got to that point. Yeah. And now, Suzanne, your situation was a little bit interesting too because Dave was yes. a part of a discipleship group with me, and so yes. midway through the year. You and, and the wives of the group kind of yes, got together. Yes, because so God has a sense that. of humor because yeah. I thought, all right, I've got this alone time because he's leaving every week, and this is awesome. <laughs> and next thing I know, <laughs> I start watching <laughs> I'm kidding. I start watching him come home just super happy and talking about everything they were studying, and he was so excited. And then I saw the changes he started making, and I thought, I need to do this. So we were so excited when you guys offered that, that the wives could come yeah. and do theirs. Yeah. And then uh, the second question, we don't have to spend a, a bunch of time because really we're close to the being over because I preach for a long time. That's what I do. Sorry. It just happens. Um, but question two, were there any fears that you had to overcome when it came to joining a group? And uh, if so, like how did you overcome them? Um, so some of the fears I had were pretty, I'd say normal for most people yeah. starting in a new group, um, fear of rejection for being myself, um, being vulnerable. And, um, it has been really life changing being in this group with Anya, Lexi and Caitlin. Sorry if I name drop, but they're wonderful ladies and they deserve to be known how wonderful they are. Um, they have opened up to me and I have opened up to them and those fears have just dissipated. You know, they welcome me with open arms and even with my um, lack thereof of knowledge with growing up in a Catholic faith, uh, they never make me feel like my perspective is devalued. So yeah. I just appreciate it greatly. Um, and I'm just so happy to be a part of it. It's been life-changing. Love that. Love that. Ditto. Um, I think for me, when we first cracked open the book and the little covenant we took, I'm like, oh, oh boy, now I'm really held accountable. Um, that was my biggest thing. And then I actually got into it. We started going and opening up and really sharing and getting to know. I'm going to name drop as well. Um, Lyle. I had... Uh, Rich and Mark, um, these guys were, were amazing. I mean, I felt totally comfortable, totally at ease. 
and I could ask any question because I really had no clue what I was doing. Um, so other than that, after I got more comfortable, that was it was easy to stay, and it was even better to go. I yeah. couldn't wait for it to show. Love that. I would say the same. Anya and Margot and Bridget were so extraordinarily just warming and welcoming and if I thought I couldn't be there with them or thought I didn't know enough, they quickly made all those fears go away. It was just very loving environment, very accepting and something that I'm so glad I did. Yeah. And the last question, here's the important one. Um, so we'll start again with you, Destiny. I'm gonna give you guys a twist. I didn't prep you for this one. You're welcome. <laughs> It'll be fun. Question is this, compared to who you were for you, you, this has been this year, that this past year that you've been doing that. So think of who you were a year ago and think of where you are now. Um, how has being a part of this discipleship process changed who you are? And then for you two, you get to see each other. How have you seen that change in each other since that happened? It's going to be touching. Try not to cry, Suzanne. It's going to be tough. I know. But it's going to be, we're going to, oh, it's going to be wonderful. So see how I did that? It's good. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so if I were to reflect back, um, I'd say just alone having a relationship. I think the static is because there we go. Whoops. Perfect. I'm just covering the antenna. Oh, whoops. It's all good. Sorry. Nerdy um, stuff. You don't need to normally know that. Um, is that I actually have a relationship with Christ, and I'm no longer afraid to open a Bible. Um, when I say that, I just never... Growing up Catholic, I could never really understand or connect or relate it to my life. And back to these wonderful women, they have helped me. Um, they have helped me see that it's okay to have, you know, some demons not be perfect, but to follow the word of God and apply that to my life. And I no longer seek him only when I'm suffering or hurting. I seek him on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's just... Words can't describe it. Um, it's it's really incredible. Joyous. Yes. It's really joyous. Absolutely. And um, I really recommend everybody does it. And I, I do have to note I'm not getting paid to say any of this. So. <laughs> immense. You're getting paid in nerve. Oh, and, and nerves. And nerves. <laughs> um, wow, for me, okay. I have known my amazing wife since high school. Um, I've probably loved her every day of, of that. Um, I think for me, our marriage, we've always been really close. We've always shared. We've always, we've known everything about each other from the very beginning. Um, and I didn't think there was a way to get any closer, but man, with God in our life right now, it is that glue that you really, really need, and you just seem, you just, you can never find it. And for me, that is, uh, that's what I see in our marriage right now. I mean, we have a lot going on, and man, we're strong as ever. Um, I think also the, you kind of already covered it, but the intentionality of having a relationship with Jesus and just, how that has changed and just deepened and how we now both take the time to set aside time to pray and be with God and also more listening than ever because I think it was the same as Destiny said, just 
you know, going to God when you, things are wrong, but now we're really listening to see where he's guiding us, to see who he wants us to speak to and what he wants us to say and really trying to be a disciple. Yeah. I love that. Well, let's give them a hand and thank them for the courage to come up here and share. Appreciate that. And so as we kind of wrap this up, um, again, you were made to reflect something. And I'm here to suggest to you tonight that when you put yourself in a position to experience the transformative power of the gospel, to let it move from the head down to the heart, whether that be in a moment of worship through a song, maybe you connect better with other people, having a theological discussion, maybe you connect best just getting out into nature, wherever it is, seek it, seek him. And here's the good news. Jeremiah 29 has a great promise. We love Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, that you'll find him when you seek him with your whole heart. When that's your whole heart, when that's your desire, maybe, like you said, you, you were searching, you, you've been looking, you've been trying to find things that will fulfill you. I'm here to tell you, if you haven't found fulfillment yet, it's because you haven't found it in Christ, where you are always meant to find it. And when you find it, it launches you into this life that when you pursue discipleship to try to become, not, not to be just like Jesus, that's impossible. We're not asking you to do that. But the things that you've seen Jesus do that we see in scripture, we're saying, let's put these things into practice in our lives and see what God does with that. And so maybe you've never prayed to receive the gospel tonight. Maybe tonight was the first time you ever got to hear that. And if that's true, and you wanna do something about that, if you wanna say, man, that, that sounds like I need that. I wanna have faith. We'd love to talk to you about that. In fact, um, Jack will be back at the 10-minute party already. So if you need to go back there and have a moment, um, Gabe is here too. Gabe's one of our elders. Gabe, if you don't mind when we pray, if you'd come up front too, if you need to come up front, I'll be down front too. Um, so if you need to pray to receive Christ and talk a little bit more about that, we'd love to do that with you. So let's all stand together. Let's pray. Jesus you are so good. You are so good. And I know that I have friends in this room who know that you're good, but they've never fully been able to experience what I'm talking about tonight. And so I'm praying for every person in this room that if they've never had that moment where they just, they could not understand why you would allow them to experience something so great as your glory, just being shown upon them. Pray tonight would be the night. That even now, as we sing this last song together, that every person here would sense your presence in this room. That no matter how far they've run away from you, that they would sense your joy over them as their heart begins to turn back to you. God, we all need those moments of refreshment where we get to experience the fullness of your glory, where we get to experience the brilliance of your majesty. May that be something every one of us knows in this room tonight. God, for the people in this room who their hearts pounding because you're calling them to something, help these folks get connected into a small group here, into the community at the church so they can know what it is to follow after you and begin to put these things into practice in their life. 
For those who've spent time learning what that is already and their hearts pounding God, would you put it on their heart that it's time for them to take a step of faith and to maybe lead a group, to maybe grab a couple people around them and say, just come and see, come and see what I've experienced and see if it doesn't do for you what it's done for me. That's the type of church we wanna be. We wanna be an inviting church full of people who follow hard after Jesus, who've been so transformed by the gospel that we cannot help but see how we've been commissioned to go out and invite others to experience the same. To be a church of people who follow so hard after you, Jesus, to see what it is that you did, to challenge ourselves to begin to put those things into practice as well and see what results from all of it, God. We love you. We're grateful for tonight, God. Would you continue your work now as we worship you in song? We pray in Jesus' name.
but as disciple makers. And so God, we wanna get it right so that we can lead others to do the same. That's where life is. That's where joy is. And we wanna experience that, Lord. So would you bless my friends here? Would you keep them close to your heart? Thank you for the way that you love us and how that love now propels us to go out and show the same to others. Let us do that with wisdom, with discernment from your spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Have a great week.